Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. Uh, Get your sermon notes out and turn in your Bible to John chapter 3. If you brought a Bible or open your phone, however you roll, uh, that's what I want you to do. And And even before service started, I started sensing a little shift on something. So I want to jump into this and then just speak from the heart for a, a few minutes. So I have sermon notes. So that and I, I do these guys so that, so that you can take the scripture and you can take stuff and go study on your own. Some of you think, oh, I don't know where to begin. I don't know what to look for. I don't, the Bible's a big book. I don't know where to start. Week by week, you can take these notes and you can go and, and read through some of these things and start reading some scripture and it will really help, help you out. And so um, we talked about these kingdom realities. And a couple of weeks ago is when I started and these five kingdom realities. And quickly, I just want to show you these five again. It's the word of God, the spirit of God, the love of God, the grace of God, and the faith of God. And the word of God, the, the, the phrasing that we like to say is scripture fed, that we're fed by scripture. It's, it's feeding us. It's not just something that we read. It's not some rule. It's not just some principle that the word of God, the living bread, it's the living bread of Christ. And Jesus is the word of God. And so the scriptures are all about him. It's all about a person. So we are fed by him. I talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about being scripture fed. So you need to know what feeds your life. What feeds your life? What do you go, what do you go to when you're hungry? What do you go to uh, you know, when, you're, when you're scared? What, 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 what feeds your life? When, the appet- when your appetites are, are operating, what feeds your life? What do you turn to when you're happy? What do you turn to when you're sad? What do you turn to when you feel alone? What do you turn to? And the goal, if we want to live according to the Word of God, we need to be a people that are Scripture-fed because then we live in a kingdom reality. And the kingdom is all about, the kingdom realities are all about the realities of the king. And he's come to us to bring his reality to infuse um, our reality so that we can live on, a, on his higher reality instead of the lower realities. And, and so in this thing, you need just to understand that we need to be people that are scripture fed. And today we're going to talk about being spirit led. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to break down the rest of these and, and actually end up tying them all together. But the scripture we looked at, uh, so today we're going to focus on being spirit led. And the scripture we talked about last week in Mark 12, which is right there on your notes, that Jesus answered and said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken? Because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. And so the two things that he's saying you don't know are the scriptures and the power of God. Here's the thing. There's people who think they know the scriptures because they make it about a tr- they look at the scriptures and they try to find a tradition or they try to find they 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 read into the scriptures what they already believe. And that's not what we're talking about. You can use the Bible to justify all kinds of stupid stuff. 
So the, it's the heart that's saying, I'm going to look to Jesus. My eyes are going to be looking to Jesus as I open the Bible. So I come to the Bible or I come to Jesus through the Bible. I'm looking for him on every page. I'm looking for him. It's all about him. I don't go to the Bible to, to try to find me, even though I can find me in it. I first need to find Jesus in order to find the accurate place of, of who I am and, and what God is doing in my life. So so he's saying you are mistaken because you don't know the Scriptures and you don't know the power of God. What he's saying is you don't know the Word of God and you don't know the Spirit of God. And that causes you to be mistaken. Remember we talked about mistaken is mistaken. It actually means to be led astray. It means to be you know, hijacked and taking off course. So an, air, an airplane that is hijacked and taking to a wrong destination, that is a plane that has been mistaken. And there's many of us who are lives, we don't even realize it because we get so numb and distracted by the things of this world. We don't even realize it that our plane is being hijacked. You know why we don't even realize it's happening? That the deception is happening and it's doing it little by little? We can recognize when it happens all at once. That's kind of easy. You know, when the plane just... But when it slowly starts going off course, you don't even realize what's happening. It's going off course. Some of you are sitting in a position in your life where you're thinking, how did I get here? Not like here in church, even though it's a miracle. Some of y'all are here. But how did I get to this place in my life? I, I never planned to be here. This was not, uh, but, but you're here. And wherever you're here is, God will, God will meet you where you're at and lead you to where he intends you to be. But you can't, you can't stay where you are and follow God at the same time. Can't do that. You've got to make a choice. And so the mistaken thing is being led away because they're not Scripture fed. Being led away because we're not Spirit led. There's another Spirit leading you. Or maybe not a, a Spirit. Even your flesh can lead you. Culture can lead you. We never want to follow a culture that's not following Christ. Never. Never. We want to follow the Lord, or, or ourselves, our, our own human reasoning. We convince ourselves of certain things, and then people will come into our life and try to say, hey, you're about a quarter inch off, or hey, you're, you're, you're missing this part. You have a blind spot. And sometimes arrogance and ignorance work together to keep us away or keep us in confusion. And we're not willing to say, you know what? I missed it. I do need to change my, th- my thinking on this. I do need to change my approach on this. Don't let pride cause you to be a stubborn fool. Humble yourself and say, I need to change. And so in my life, the scriptures became a, a, a supply to me, a food to me, which I might talk about here in a second. And, and, and then it was the scriptures and then the power of God. And like it says in Zechariah 4, I put it on your notes so you don't even got to look it up. Zechariah 4, 6. Oh, this whole chapter, this whole book is incredible. It's hard for the Bible teacher in me not to teach the whole chapter of, of Zechariah chapter 4. But this is what he said. He, he, Zechariah says, he, then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. <laughs> That's a cool name. It's not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. What he's saying, he's talking to 
Joshua and Zerubbabel and Zechariah, this is when the Israelites, he's bringing them back from the captivity of Babylon. So Babylon means confusion. So they were in captivity to confusion. And then God used Zerubbabel as a governor, uh, kind of like a, a, an administrator, a civil authority. I, I would call it a kingly anointing. He was not a king, but there's an administrative, a kingly anointing um, that he represents. And there's also Joshua. Uh, in, in the story of, of, of Zechariah, where he's the high priest, so you have the priest-king anointing. All of that points to Jesus, because Jesus is king, and he's also priest at the same time. And so what happens in this king-priest anointing is what he's saying is, I'm going to rebuild my people. I'm going to rebuild my house. You know what? That's what the Lord does. He, he doesn't just do it in, in, in Israel. He doesn't just do it the Israelites coming out of Babylon. He does it in your life. He'll rebuild if you let him. And he'll take the anointing of the priest. He'll take the anointing of the king. And he'll work birth, both of those together to rebuild your life in him. And of him. And on him. Not just rebuild your life to give you a second chance. But to rebuild your life in him. Because some of you, some of you, what you're looking for, and I'm, I know I'm speaking to somebody in this room right now, you just want relief. God doesn't want to bring you relief. You're just looking for let the pain stop. It's not that you want to follow God, but if he can take your pain away, then you'll follow him. Listen, Jesus ain't your dope dealer and he ain't your pain medicine. He's Lord. And he's not here just to give you relief. He's here to resurrect you and reassign you and rebuild you to a better purpose, an eternal purpose. It's not like you just find a purpose, like, oh, I came to church, I need to find a purpose. No, He's your purpose. It's Him. He's, he's Lord. And He's been misrepresented by, by pastors and by churches and by Christians and by people, but He's still Lord. So don't hold other people's mistakes against him. He's, he's Lord. So it says, not by force and not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. If you want to talk about being spirit-led, you got to get that. Because you know what? There's times in my life I force it. There's times in my life I force it. There's times in my life I do it in my strength. And every time I force it, and every time I do it in my strength, I regret it. And even when it goes well, and there's an apparent success to my force and to my strength, I end up then celebrating and getting and, and almost getting upset when other people don't see how awesome I am. Or I get, I get so prideful, I'm like, this is easy. Why can't you do it? What's your problem? That's flesh. That's stinking thinking we got to realize that it's not by my strength. It's not by you know, my, my forcing it. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. And so there's three things I want to show you. And actually, I'm not going to read through all these verses because I think I'm going to go a little different direction. But I want to show you these three things on the back page that you need to kind of understand 
if you want to have the kingly anointing of Jesus and the priestly anointing of Jesus flowing through your life, activating the king in you, activating the priest in you, because we are kings and priests in Jesus. And there's a whole teaching I'd love, I'd love to do on that, but we are king priest in Jesus. And what that means is we have relationship with God on the priest side. We come to the throne of God on the priest side. We're connected in relationship with the heart and priestly realities. of. of and I don't have time to explain what all that means, but we're connected to him in, the, in that way. And we know his heart. But then we have the ability to go rule and reign as servant leaders, not dominating over people, not trying to force anything, but that we know that we... that. He's king of kings. Who are the kings that he is king over? I believe it's us. We're little bitty kings. He's big king. Okay? And so he rules and reigns through us, in us, and through us, in righteousness, peace, and joy. And so that can happen in our life. But in order for that to happen, guys, and this is basic, there's, there's at least three basic ways the Spirit of God needs to lead you. And the first one is to lead you to be spirit-born. That means you need to be born again. Uh, John 3, 3, Jesus said um, that he, a, a guy named Nicodemus, who was a religious leader, came talking to him at night, and Jesus kind of interrupted him, and Jesus just said, listen, you must be born again. Don't marvel that I say you must be born again, but I'm telling you, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, an educated religious man, was like, I'm confused. What, what are you talking about? I go back in my mama's womb. He's like, no, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. You must be born again. Because we were all, all of us were born in sin the first time. We were born of Adam, and Adam was spiritually dead. So we were born in sin. That's why we need to be born again, because you can't save you. Your money can't save you. You can't save you. They can't save you. It can't save you. There is no person, there is no place, there is no thing that can save you. Tanner, going to the military, mama can't save you. That we need to understand this, like, like, I don't have enough force. I don't have enough strength. They don't have enough force. They don't have enough strength. The government, the, the, this political party, this, this whatever, it doesn't have the force or the strength, no matter how forceful or how strong it is according to human measurements. There is no person, place, or thing that can save you. And if I was really preaching, throwing the mic up like this, I'd be like, Jack Daniels can't save you. Jose can't save you. Somebody, they can't save you. King of beers can't save you. But king of kings can. And the reality is when you humble yourself to him and say, according to your word, I want to be scripture fed, but I need to be spirit led. That means I need to be born again. It's like not only you need to ask yourself this question, have you been born again? But are you living out, walking out that born-again experience? And so the equal sign there at the end of that is, is being spirit-born, which, which really equals um, this life-giving person. And what that means is the king, the most alive person in all existence, the life-giving person of his spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes to live inside of you. So what do you receive when you're spirit-born? You don't receive church membership. What do you receive when you're, when you're spirit-born? 
the life-giving person of the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. He comes to live inside of you, literally like steps inside of you. Comes to live in your spirit. And now you're a new creation. See, Christianity is not you working harder, trying to do better. Christianity is not you saying, okay, I'm going to quit cussing. I'm going to quit doing this. Uh, It's not you trying to become good. It's not you trying to become godly. Because no matter how much force or strength you bring to the table, you can't get the job done. But by my spirit, see, he does, you can't do it, I can't do it, only he can do it. And that's why through a born-again reality, he steps inside of you and he will do what you can't do. But you've got to humble yourself to say, I need to be born again. Some of you in this room right now, you've been going to church, I don't make you born again. You've been religious in your mindset, that doesn't mean you're born again. The Bible says in Romans 10, uh, verses 8 and 9, that you got to believe Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth through prayer that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. If you believe those two things, that Jesus is Lord, not a Lord, the Lord, and that God has raised him from the dead after he was crucified on a cross, if you believe that and you confess that, then you can be born again. So the thing that you need to ask yourself, and I want to ask you is, are you spirit-born? And if you're spirit-born, then there's a life-giving, a life-giving person who's now inside of you, who's Christ in you, that wants to begin to empower and activate his purpose and his life in every area of your life. And so this life-giving person, and then and I, I, I'm not going to read these scriptures and stuff you can read on your own. In John chapter 14 and 16, Jesus says, listen, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be with you always. I'm going to be crucified, and then I'm going to be buried, and then I'm going to be raised on the third day. It says that in other places. And he said, so I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a mist or a vapor or, you know, he's a person. He's the person of... of that is it's called the Holy Spirit, and he carries, he carries all the attributes of Christ. He's one with one with God. And so, in John chapter fourteen, Jesus said, "I'm going to pray that when I leave, that I will send, I will send the Holy Spirit, the Helper, to you." He said, "He's with you, but He shall be in you," is what He said. He shall be in you. So when you, uh, and, and, and now I want, um, actually want you to see, go to John chapter 20. I want you to see this with your own eyes. I had you at John 3, but we're, we're past that. So go to John 20. I just want you to see this, because I think there must, there must be somebody here that needs this, because I just, I just had this like, just like, you need to see this. So John chapter 20 is the, is the first day of the resurrection. So John chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus was telling them about the promise of, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people think that fulfillment of him sending the guide, the teacher, the comforter, who, who's now with you because Jesus was with them. So because Jesus was with them, the Holy Spirit in Jesus was the Holy Spirit with them. But it wasn't the Holy Spirit in them. It was the Holy Spirit in Jesus that was with them but would be in them. Okay? And most people think that the promise of of when Jesus would give them the Holy Spirit was all the way to Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. And that's not true. 
the Holy Spirit was given on the first day of the resurrection. John chapter 20, if you'd look at it right here. John chapter 20. Um, good Lord, somebody keeps messing with my Bible. I can't read it. That's better. John 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, meaning the same day of the, of the resurrection, being the first day of the week, which is Sunday, when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, and Jesus came and stood in the midst. Now, this is the resurrected Jesus who can walk through a door because he's in his glorified body. And Jesus said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his, his side and his hands, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. That's the biggest understatement in the Bible. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Watch this. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So they received the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit in them. John chapter 20, the first day of the resurrection. And I believe that is a picture of what happens anytime, anybody, anywhere, any place is born again. I believe the high priest, who is also king of kings and lord of lords, the high priest Jesus, when somebody believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord, confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead, and then they call upon the name of the Lord, they're saved. So what was holding, why couldn't they be saved before that moment? They believed Jesus was Lord, but what they did not believe until that moment, until he walked through a locked door and showed them his scars, they did not believe he had been raised from the dead. So once they believed that, they met the requirements to be saved, and Jesus said, and I believe what happens every single time somebody gets saved, every so, so with the day you get saved, say you got saved right now. Woo, I feel the Lord. Say you, got, say you got saved right now. I'm just kidding. Say you got saved right now. Jesus would come stand before you, in my opinion. And when you're praying, it, no one else might see him. You may not even rec- feel him or anything. But he comes to stand in front of you and whoo, breathes into your spirit. And just like Adam was formed by the dust of the ground, God formed the dust of the ground and then breathed into Adam and Adam became a living soul. Anytime somebody believes on the Lord Jesus Christ and calls on his name to be born again, to be born again, to be born of the Spirit, Jesus himself stands before you and breathes his Spirit into you. That's why I never get tired of when somebody makes a, makes a, a decision to get born again. Some churches make it hard for you to get born again. But we need to be spirit born. So my question to you is, are you spirit born? And if you are, are you allowing his life to live through your life? Or is he buried inside of you? And so the the other reality is being spirit led. And that means a purposeful, a purposeful presence. Being spirit led is a purposeful presence. And the tons of scriptures I want to show you. The only one I want to show you today um, that to, for you to look at is Romans chapter 8. I want you to see this. Because what it means to be led of the Holy Spirit or spirit-led is there is a purpose to his presence. What I mean is G, the Spirit of God is purposefully and personally present. I'll say it this way. He's personally present to accomplish his purpose. You accomplish nothing. 
I accomplish nothing. Our assignment is to allow him to accomplish through us everything he purposed to accomplish through us. The kingdom life is not about achieving. It is about receiving. It is not about agenda, you having an agenda. It is about you living on assignment. Where he lives his life through you. So to be led of the Spirit, a perfect scripture for this is Romans chapter 8. Looking in verse... Man, that whole thing is good. We'll just start in verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. So the Spirit in Him will give life to your mortal bodies. Is that life-giving reality for His purpose. Verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Holy Spirit, or the, the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So the sons of God, the, the people who are walking in discipleship to say, I'm following Jesus, that I'm spirit-born. If I'm spirit-born, I need to be spirit-led. So here's my question to you. Are you spirit-born? And if you are spirit-born, are you spirit-led? Are you being led? And if you're not being led, meaning the motivation behind the decisions that you make in your life, if it's not spirit-led, then who is leading you? This is simple stuff. I wish I could preach, you know, it, it's very basic. I know, it's, it, but I'm telling you this will change your life. Challenge and examine who's leading you. Well, how do I know, Pastor? How do I know who's leading you? What, what, who or what initiates action in your life? I'm going to just say something for some of the husbands in the room. You think my wife nags me so much? She nags me and complains all the time. Well, let me tell you part of the reason why she does that. Let me be a friend. Because you've actually trained her in doing that. Because she's asked you once, twice, three times. She's asked you nicely and calmly if you would please do this or please do that. But while being married to you, she's kind of learned that the only way to get you to do anything is to actually be angry. And you're like, why are you so angry? Gosh, why are you so... And here's part of, part of the reason. Part of it, because she got an anger problem. The other part, but I'm leaving that alone for Jesus to work with. Yeah, the other part is... And the same thing, same thing in anything with, with your, your any, any relationship. Through communication, you train them because you, people are wanting to see resolution. They're wanting to see action. And so if you were so attentive that your wife said, you know, I really would like this, this project done or this thing done. You said, you said, yeah, it's my heart. It's my joy to serve you. It's my joy to do it. It's not that, that you rule over me and whatever. It's my joy to do this. I'd love to do this for you. If this makes you happy, I'd love to do this for you. And not just think, gosh, I wish, you know, I wish you just stop 
asking me about it. And then with your lack of action, it ends up building up. And then two, three months, maybe six months down the road, she has a blow up on you. And you think, my gosh, what's your problem? Well, if, that, if that's what has happened to you, go look in the mirror and be like, oh, there it is. Because if you would have done it with joy and a servant's heart, might be a different tone coming out of her. Now, wives, I got to go ahead and go here too. Now, I'm just going to tell you what Lauren told me before service. <laughs> this is just what he said. <laughs> no. Hey, so if you want to get your husband to take more action, listen, I know it's frustrating and you kind of... And you go there because, you know, you know he, he doesn't do what he's supposed to be doing. I get it. I get it. But here's how you need to be more effective. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to be more effective. Change your tone. Change your tone and begin to speak to him. Uh, this is what Sarah does to me. Sarah comes up to me and she's like, you are so skilled. You are so you know, whatever, you know, like Brian, you, you know, my skill set. Brian's been to our house. He's been, done work. He's like a craftsman carpenter, Glenn Peeler. You know, my skill set, different ones. know. Uh, Sarah comes, we're about to redo a bathroom and, and, and we're wanting to pay somebody cause that's a smart thing to do to come redo the bathroom, but it just costs so much money. And so she's like, you're so, you can do this. You can do this. And I'm thinking, no, I can't. Like, we need to call somebody before this gets worse. And she says, I know you can, you can. And she actually was encouraging me, even though I have tons of experience that says, I probably shouldn't do this. She encouraged me. And she's like, watch a YouTube video. And, and, and that's all you got to do to become a carpenter, to watch a YouTube video. And, and so, so she would encourage me. And then I go in and I do it. And she encouraged me all the way through the process. She wasn't nagging me and criticizing me. And all the work that I did, she didn't come in there and be like, hmm. Hmm. Now, who was it? Was it Glenn or was it Bubba that came into our house? Or was it Brian? Who was it that came? Oh, Ben. Was it Ben Miller? And one of those construction jerks (laughs) came into my new bathroom and they walked in and just... Your crown molding's upside down. <laughs> and I was like, I'm it, no, no. That's how we're doing it now. <laughs> That's kingdom. It's flipping it. And so my point is, Sarah does this so well, she encourages me. And and she'll 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 and so she may have to be like on her side it may be like oh my gosh I got I Lord I need your help to encourage him Lord Lord you got to encourage me to be encouraging to him because he wears me out that may how might be how it is but the Spirit of God can lead you into that kind of stuff the Spirit of God can help you into that stuff because you're not left to your own resources you're not left to what your emotions contain you're not left or abandoned to what your mind contains you're not left to your ability you have God's ability and God can empower you if you'd be willing to be spirit-led he gives life to your body so if he's in you let him lead through you and he'll help you and even in the small things 
and the small things he leads you. And there's a ton I could say on both of those, and especially this last one. I could do a whole month conference on this last one. The last one is being spirit-filled. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. He was born, uh, the Spirit of God was in him at birth. So he was born of the Holy Spirit as a baby. And then you see him in Luke chapter 3. He's standing in the Jordan River. He was baptized in the Jordan River. And then standing in the river, he's praying after he was water baptized. Uh, So it's it's not about water baptism. It's about the separate experience. He was already born of the Spirit. He'd been led by the Spirit. And now he's praying in the river, and the Holy Spirit comes upon him, not in him, but upon him. And the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says that he returned in the power of the Spirit. So the word dunamis, power, came into his life. So he had the life-giving person of the Spirit, and then being led by the Holy Spirit, you have this purposeful present that was, presence that was with him, in his life, and then you have the Spirit come upon him where he's filled with the Holy Spirit, a Spirit filled, and now the miraculous power comes upon him. And that's when he started doing miracles, signs, and wonders. That's when he did that. And so for our life, Jesus, for the pattern, Jesus was Spirit-born, Jesus was Spirit-led, Jesus was Spirit-filled. The disciples were spirit-born. The disciples were spirit-led. The disciples were spirit-filled. You can be spirit-born. You can be spirit-led. And you can be spirit-filled. The the Bible says in Acts 1.8, the promise that Jesus gave to His disciples after He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's inside of them. After that, He told them, Acts 1.8, You shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then Acts chapter 2, they're in a room praying. They're in a room praying and probably praying and praising. Just like Jesus was in the Jordan River, praying and probably praising. The Holy Spirit fell upon him. Holy Spirit was already in him, meaning he was saved, born again. But now the Holy Spirit fell upon him to bring this miraculous river and dimension of spirit living through him. And so now the disciples are in the upper room and they're praying and they're worshiping and they're praising God and they're, they're just declaring the wonderful works of God. They're just magnifying God. And the whole, a mighty, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, this, this suddenly, this mighty, the sound of a mighty rushing wind comes and fills the room. And they're worshiping and praising. And what happens is the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And as they are filled with the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit start flowing out of them. Some of them start praising God. They're not speaking to anybody. They're praising God. One of the, listen, one of the biggest lies that have been told to the church, and worship team, come on up just to give me a, a stop sign. One of the biggest lies that has been told to the church is about tongues. Now, there's a lot of goofy, woofy people talking about a lot of weird stuff and doing a lot of unhealthy, ungodly things when it comes to gifts of the Holy Spirit. But a lot of people have been taught that tongues was needed to preach the gospel. And that now that the gospel has been written in languages and written down, that we no longer need tongues 
because the gospel was used, the gospel was preached through tongues. You never in your Bible see anybody preaching the gospel in tongues. What you see is the disciples in the upper room praying and praising. The Spirit of God falls upon them. They begin to start praying and praising in, in an unknown language. They did not know the language, but they were still magnifying God, declaring the wonderful works of God. They were saying, Things like this. God, you reign. God, you reign. There is no one higher but you. You're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God, you're above all. You're before all. God, we magnify you. They were declaring your healer, your um, protector, your provision. They were, they were declaring the wonderful works of God to the Lord, but it was coming out in a spiritual language that they did not understand. But the people who were down on the street suddenly heard, like, what, what's that noise? And they heard the, the noise of the, the, the sound of the Spirit coming in like a rushing wind and heard them declaring this, these, these, it's like somebody in a few minutes when we're worshiping and praising God, somebody drives by or somebody pulls up and they hear you praising God. You're not praising them. You're not even talking to them, but they, they will hear you. That's the same thing as what was happening that day. So as they're blessing God and magnifying God, the, these, these people on the outside hear them, and there's this uproar that starts. And so they come down, and, and Peter's like, the people are down there are asking, what is this thing that's happening? And he begins to describe what it is. And it's this gift of, of tongues that's a prayer language and a praise language. Uh, but the real thing that I want you to get in this is the church will lie to you or, or meaning, well-meaningful, uh, well-intended people will tell you that tongues was for the purpose of preaching the gospel. But yet you don't see anyone preaching the gospel in tongues. They were praising God. And then when they came down and were talking, they came down and they were talking to the people that were there and, and they were like, what is this? And they were like, this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the promise of, of the Father. Then Peter, in a common language, stood up and said, men of Israel, and started preaching the gospel of Jesus in a known language. Nobody ever preached the gospel in tongues in the Bible. He preached in a known language. And that brings me to my, the last verse, which you can look up later, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. It says, do not be unwise, but know what the will of the Lord is. Let me just tell you what the will of the Lord is. For you to be born of the Spirit, for you to be led by the Holy Spirit, and for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, what does that look like? Why don't you just open up and say, Lord, if, I, if you're not born again, say, God, I want to be born again. If you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, then say, God, I want to stop following X, Y, Z, and I want to start following you. And if it's your, you don't feel the overflow of his power in your life, Lord Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Well, what does it look like? I don't know, but it comes from Jesus, so it's good. I don't know what it looks like. Well, let's find out. I mean, that's how I used to go in the bars and the clubs and doing addiction stuff. I didn't sit there and say, okay, now tell me, what does this pill do exactly? I was like, oh, what is this drink mixed with this other thing that I'm doing going to do? Like, I need a detailed, I need a flow chart telling me what this is going to do before I take it. That wasn't me. And that's why the Bible says don't be drunk with wine, which is a waste of your time, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so there needs, there's need, instead of teaching, and I struggle because a Bible teacher and me, it's a struggle on days like today because the Bible, it's the Bible teacher and the preacher in me are fighting because I want to teach you all the scriptures. But I really feel like what needs to happen is just you, need to, you just need to have a heart to say, Lord, 
I want to be born again. Lord, I want to be led by your spirit. And God, I want to be filled with your spirit. And I don't know what it looks like. Maybe there's been bad examples you've seen or maybe no examples that you've seen. But why don't you become, a, why don't you become the pure example? To just step out and say, Lord, fill me. Fill me. Let your power begin to move in my life to where your gifts will begin to operate through my life. So that's what I, that's the thing I just want to press into as I talk about being spirit-led. And so during this time of worship, um, I want the prayer team. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.